Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello and welcome. Today we're going to talk about the topic, can you use a dual checkpoint inhibitor regimen in an unfit patient with BRAF wild-type metastatic melanoma? My name is Elizabeth Bookbinder. I'm an assistant professor at Dana-Farber Harvard Cancer Institute and Harvard Medical School in Boston. And I'm here today with Jason Luke. Hi, I'm Jason Luke. I'm an associate professor at the University of Pittsburgh uh, and at UPMC Hillman Cancer Center. Great. So I'm going to start us off by talking about a case. Today, we're going to talk about an unfit patient with BRAF wild-type metastatic melanoma. So this is a 72-year-old man with a previous medical history of deformative arthritis who lives alone and presents with back pain. On exam, he's found to have a T4B primary on the upper back, so a thick primary, and imaging is done, which shows metastatic disease in multiple vertebra, as well as nodal change. The biopsy of the node identifies a BRAF wild type, NRAS Q61K PDL1 negative melanoma. The patient is able to complete activities of daily living, but not able to work in his tool garage as he used to. And now Dr. Luke is going to discuss some of the background that we think about when considering treatment for a patient like this. Thanks. So, I mean, as the audience knows, we've had a major change in the landscape of melanoma therapeutics over the last 10 years or so. And on our screen, we're showing now the seminal data that underpins the activity of anti-PD-1 antibodies, as well as combinations with anti-PD-1 plus anti-CTLA-4, as well as anti-PD-1 with anti-LAG-3. And as all the audience will be aware, uh, these studies started with the Keynote 006 study, which was the phase three study, comparing pembrolizumab to ipilimumab in treatment-naive patients, showing a major advantage for pembrolizumab versus ipilimumab, and five-year overall survival rates nearly 40%. And these are followed up by two anti-PD-1 clinical trials with nivolumab, the Checkmate 066 study, mostly done in Europe, which randomized patients to receive nivolumab versus chemotherapy, again, showing a major advantage as, as had been expected. And then the seminal study, Checkmate 067, which randomized patients into three arms, one to ipilimumab plus nivolumab, one to nivolumab, and one to ipilimumab, with both of the PD-1-containing regimens actually compared to the ipimonotherapy regimen. And as is now well understood, more than 50% of patients were still alive at the five-year landmark. And in fact, the median was only reached at about seven and a half years on the study. And of course, more recently, we've got a new entry into our combination immunotherapy regimens in melanoma, that being PD-1 plus LAG-3 with relatlimab. And so the Relativity 047 study randomized patients to receive relanivo, as we call it, versus nivolumab alone, where we saw, in fact, a similar magnitude of benefit in terms of absolute improvement, both for progression-free and overall survival for nivo-rela as compared to what we had seen in Checkmate 067 to IPI plus nivo. So all of these are regimens that are potentially of some value, and how we think about using them really has to do with the upside of benefit and potentially the downside of toxicity. 
And in that regard, it's important to note there actually has been a randomized phase three clinical trial of looking at different doses of nivolumab and ipilimumab with an attempt to hopefully decrease the toxicity. And the Checkmate 511 study looked at nivolumab plus ipilimumab at one milligram per kilogram versus the standard of nivolumab plus ipilimumab at three milligrams per kilogram. And what was seen in this clinical trial was essentially an overlap in the Kaplan-Meier survival plots for both progression-free and overall survival. So in clinical practice, it's a debate, but many think it's reasonable to use the low-dose or flipped-dose regimen, as many people have described it. Because, of course, using a lower dose of ipilimumab is associated with a reduced amount of immune-related adverse events or high-grade toxicities that patients experience. So whereas we see that approximately 50% of patients who receive the standard dosing of nivolumab 1 milligram per kilogram plus ipilimumab 3 milligrams per kilogram, with the flipped dose Nevo 3 ipi 1, we see that that rate of treatment-related adverse events that are severe drops to about a 30% rate. So that's an improvement that we think is meaningful. And of course, it's a debate which patients might you use which regimen in, but it's important to note we do have this flexibility in case you're worried about toxicity for your patient. And when comparing that with the nivolumab and rolatlamab regimen, we see even further improvement. And so again, whereas about 50% of patients will get high-grade immune-related adverse events from Checkmate 067 with a high incidence of colitis, with Relativity 047 with nivolumab and rolatlamab, instead what we see is a rate of high-grade immune-related adverse events in the area of 22% with only single digits and low numbers of colitis events. And so that looks very attractive, of course, noting that the follow-up period for Nevo plus Relativity 047 is only about two years at this point, and that's just not as long as we've known about Nevo plus IPI. But all of these, of course, are good regimens to choose from and really something that I think practitioners should start to get an experience base using so that they can try to choose the optimal therapy for an individual patient. And that then, bring, of course, brings us back to our case. And just to rehash it quickly, we have a 72-year-old man with a deep primary melanoma who didn't present and unfortunately has metastatic disease in the bones of the spine at the time of presentation. No BRAF mutation. And so the question is, what should we do for this patient? And so, Dr. Buckbinder, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, lots of options here. What do you think the best treatment would be in your practice for such a patient? Yeah, so definitely lots of options here and lots of things to consider. I think one of the biggest factors that I consider in a case like this actually is the history of arthritis. And the question of, you know, he obviously is able to do most of his activities, but not able to do everything that he wants to do. So it does have symptomatic arthritis. And the risk with any sort of immunotherapy is that you can worsen arthritis and that this can impact on quality of life and impact on how a patient is able to function. And so when considering that, it, it often factors into a decision for a patient like this. With a lot of the trials, patients who had active autoimmune disease, and, and in his case, it's not totally clear how much of this is inflammatory arthritis versus osteoarthritis, given the the, um, the description we have here. But when it, patients with true autoimmune disease were not included in many of those trials. With those patients, though, I've had a lot of success, and many of my colleagues have as well, treating them with single-agent PD-1 inhibition and not having severe worsening of arthritis or having worsening that then could be controlled with kind of minimal intervention, low-dose steroids or uh, lower-dose interventions. So this is the patient that I would be very quick to give single-agent PD-1 inhibition to. In terms of 
combinations, it would be a real discussion with the patient. And I think if I was going to choose a combination, it would be nevo and nivolumab and relatlimab given the lower risk of toxicity, but it would be a discussion around uh, the pros and cons of that approach. Obviously, the improvements seen in overall survival, although not reaching statistical significance, is obviously very provocative. And so it makes you think it would be better. And that's in a modern era when patients could have gone on to other therapies after. Um, so it makes it even more provocative as, as opposed to the ipinevo data, where at that point, most of those patients did not go on to get subsequent ipinevo if they were on the nevo alone arm. Um, so in general, I would say definitely could get single agent PD-1 inhibition, would consider nivolumab and relatlimab, but it would be a clear discussion with the patient in terms of deciding what to do here. And I think that that's probably the key is sort of that discussion with the patient. You know, we've got multiple options as physicians here, but a lot of it is going to be goals of care. What does the patient want to do and what is their perspective? I'd add a wrinkle here that in my practice, I might actually choose the Nevo plus low-dose IPI regimen for this patient. And the reason I would say that is not to dispute anything that was said, because I actually agree with all of it, except to say that with bone metastases, we see that long-term outcomes actually are really problematic in melanoma. And that's really where IPI might be able to add something that would be distinguished from other therapies that we, at least you know tacitly we understand right now. That isn't to say it's the best idea, though, because to Dr. Buckbinder's point, it might cause a lot of toxicity. And so the question then becomes with this patient, what what is the benefit here? Is he going for maximum success? Is he going for limit of toxicity? You know, what, where is the goal here? And I think that's at the crux of the issue. We have so many options now in melanoma that it really is a personalized, adaptive, sort of goals of care-based approach that we need to have with patients. And I think probably importantly, their caregivers are well as well. So with that, Dr. Buckbinder, any further thoughts about this case? No, I agree. And I agree with you in terms of the IPI. It's, it's what we go to when we're thinking about those more difficult locations in terms of bone, liver, places like that brain. Um, but, uh, but obviously a tough case and, and definitely a discussion with the patient. Absolutely. So we'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. We think it was a great discussion. We hope it's insightful and we can add to your practice. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.